0: Again, a very warm welcome just to echo what Michael has said. For Welcome to everyone watching live on Facebook, everyone on Instagram, those listening on podcast, and all of those of you who are watching on YouTube as well. It's great to have you join us, but it's really great to see all your faces. Not that I can see them, but I'll see you later. Uh, and it's good to be back in person. The word I want to uh, share today is relevant to uh, our week of prayer and fasting and I'm calling it God wants to see you. I was playing with my grandchildren yesterday and I was playing with my two older granddaughters and we were playing and there's a game we play a lot where we're all lions and I'm the dad lion and I keep saying. And shall I be the granddad lion? I said, no, no, you're like a dad. You're a dad lion. And that's because I look young, so I play the like, Were well, you laughing? So I was the dad lion, and my oldest granddaughter was a lion. And uh, her name was Nala. And then my youngest, she's five. My middle granddaughter is three. And I said, what's your name? And she said, baby Mimi. So she was Mimi, the lion, but you know what kept happening in the game? They would keep saying, Grandad, do you see me? Do you see me? Are you watching me? See how I'm catching the other lion? See how I'm climbing the tree? Grandad, are you watching? Do you see me? Do you see me? It reminded me of my own childhood, where you'd be looking for attention from your mum or dad. But you know what I remember from my own childhood? I remember when I did something wrong to see me. In fact, I had a favorite place from about the age of three on. When I did something bold, we used to call it in Cork, I would crawl into my parents' bedroom and hide under their bed. So before my mother ever knew something was was wrong, she would. if I was under the bed, she knew I did something I shouldn't have done. And it's very interesting, um, she would, if she was angry or cross with me, she'd call me Tameen, and uh, in Irish, Tameen means little Tom, little Tom, whereas if she was showing love, she'd call us, or she'd call me, oh my lovely poor little crater, come and let me give you a hug. So when I was in the wrong, I would hide. But other than that, I'm sure like you, I wanted my parents to see me. My grandkids wants me to see them. And I want to ask you the question, or maybe put the question to you, do you think God wants to see you? There was a couple of yeses. One person said amen. Would everyone say amen?
1: amen.
0: Let me promise you this, God does want to see you. He really wants to see you, and he wants to see me. So, brothers and sisters, when God sees us, when he sees you, he hears you. We're gonna be praying that God would hear our prayers and answer our prayers this coming week. But you see, for God to see you, for God to hear you, he needs to see you as well. You and I are not just a voice on its own. We are a whole being. And we can't expect God to see us but not to or to hear us and not to see us so I'm here today to submit to you maybe to get your mind thinking about how can I approach this week of prayer and fasting whereby the Creator the one who made me the one who made you is watching not in an I spy way not in a way to catch you out but in a way to fully embrace where you're at to help you and me move forward in our faith. Amen. Amen. And to grow stronger and to grow more courageous because the world is full of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of them, fear of someone who's different from us, fear of the future, fear of the past, fear of the nightmare. People in the world are full of fear. And you know what? In my experience, It creeps into the church. It creeps into our lives. Praise God we have an advantage but we need to recognize that sometimes what's going on around us and in the media can creep in and impact us as well. So I'm here today to hopefully challenge you with a bit of courage. So I'm going to look at something a little unusual today. I'm going to look At what is it that God sees when he looks at us and I'm going to look at some examples in the Bible gonna tell you straight up what I want to talk about I'm going to be looking at those of us who wear fig those of us who wear animal skins and then those of us who have the glory of God and that's what God sees guess which one I think is best so fig leaves is something that uh, perhaps most of us know if English isn't your first language in the English language we use the term fig leaf an awful lot as an excuse as something we hide behind so I'm gonna go right to the beginning and just look at the example of the fig leaf but I'm gonna pray that God would bless the word to our souls to our minds and into our futures amen. are you up for praying with us yes. would you stand with me let's just pray together before we look at God's eternal word the Bible can I ask you to do something for me would you put one hand on your head and another hand on your heart we pray God that your word would not return void yes, we, we pray Lord that it would impact our thinking who will amen. Amen. Lord, as we process it intellectually, I pray your word, not my ideas, your word, would impact our thought patterns. And I pray, Lord, that as that happens, into our heart, Lord, just not just emotionally, but deeply spiritually. Your Holy Spirit would impact our whole being. Help us, Lord, to be more transformed and more like you as we look at your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brothers, thank you, sisters. Let's take a seat. (coughs) Last week Michael was preaching and he ended on the book of Genesis. And it's very interesting, we didn't uh, collaborate on it, but where Michael ended in the book of Genesis, I was actually starting. So I was going to bounce off where he finished. You'd swear we had it all organized, but you know what, sometimes the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit comes in, doesn't he? And he just organizes it. Um, So that's where I'm going. So I'm going to look at Genesis 3. Let's just look at a few verses in Genesis 3. We're told that Eve ate some of the forbidden fruit, And she also gave some to Adam to eat. Their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. So they made fig leaves into loincloths. But when they heard God nearby, walking in the garden, they hid themselves. But the Lord called out, Adam where are you? Adam replied, I heard you, but I was afraid. I was ashamed because I was naked. And so I hid. If you're listening on podcast, you can read that in Genesis 3, 6 to 10 if you want to get the full import of what we're looking at today read the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 3 it's a powerful chapter and the whole of Genesis is full of so much symbolism as well as reality and history it's powerful but let's look at these few verses for the time that we have today so most of you know about the forbidden fruit and how mankind our ancestors the prototype human beings, rebelled against God. It's called the fall. And when the fall happened, everything changed. We're told in verse 7 that Adam and Eve, knowing they were naked, they made fig leaves into loincloths, and when they heard God nearby, they hid themselves. Now, a loincloth is something you cover your middle with. So this was their initial response, to get something in the garden and try and cover up. Now, in English parlance, we use the term fig leaf all the time. It means, as I said, an excuse. I can remember the first time I heard the expression. I was eight or nine. I was in third or fourth class in Greenmont School over the road here. And I remember a boy in the class Um, was always in late, but every morning he had a fantastic excuse. He had incredible excuses. Our teacher at the time, uh, I was educated by the presentation brothers, like monks, I guess if you will, but we had a lovely, patient, kindly, I would say godly, uh, older man called Brother Justinian. And he had great patience with us, and he always went the extra mile with us. But I remember Brother Justinian asking this guy, his name was Barry, and he'd say, Why are you late this morning? And Barry would say, The red car broke down. So he'd go in. And then that was Monday. And then on Tuesday, we're all in school. It's nine o'clock, and about quarter past nine, half past nine, in would walk Barry. And Brother Justinian would say, Why are you late today, Barry? The yellow car broke down. Because <laughs> as you know, back then we all had numerous cars in our families <laughs> with yellow, red, green, blue, purple. And then I remember the best one of all was he came in one day, and Brother Justinian said, Where are you late today, Barry? What patience the man had. And Barry said, uh, my dad was driving us to school, and he realised he forgot the keys to the car, so he had to go back <laughs> So all of the class got up and prayed with him because it was such a terrible. But I do remember Brother Justinian turning to him and he said, Oh, what a fig leaf. What a fig leaf of an excuse. And that was the first time I heard the word. And as I was preparing this word, I kept thinking of poor old brother Justinian and the fig leaf with little Barry and all his excuses. But you know what? I've borrowed a few fig leaves in my time. How about you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Denise, why are you smiling so much? (laughs) We've all borrowed the old fig leaf every now and again. And you know what? I don't think anyone ever believes a fig leaf, do they? We might be polite. You know, in Ireland, the big thing is about politeness. If you come from a more direct country like Germany or the Netherlands or South Africa, you might think, I've heard people say, are the Irish two-faced? We're not really, but I suppose we are, but we're not really. (laughs) We just hate to show offence. So you will dance the dance of politeness, and you will do anything but cause the other person any embarrassment. And so we never actually say it directly. So if someone gives us a fig leaf, we just kind of pretend it's a fig leaf. But guess what? The emperor has no clothes. But we're not going to say it. It's something in the Irish culture. Adam and Eve try to hide, and they try to cover up. Now, is it that God didn't know where they were? Of course he knew where they were. But he had to call out. And we're told, the Lord called out to the man and said, Adam, where are you? And I've heard that. Tom, where are you? Has anyone here ever heard God call them? As a Christian, and it's a little uncomfortable. Anyone honest enough? John, good man, where are you? Anyone else? Eleanor, where are you? We know what it feels like. It's kind of like we often say, I love to hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I don't think Adam went, yay, yeah, here I am. Of Course he didn't. Why? He was afraid, fear, shame. Like me as a little child hiding under my parents' bed, I took the biscuits out of the biscuit tin, or I broke the glass, or whatever I did, I would hide, and that's what was happening. But you know what? He is the God of outreach. The God we worship, the God we love, is the God who goes after us. Not to catch us and punish us. He comes after us because he loves us. If you think God has abandoned you, I promise you, he has not. Because the God of the Bible and the God I know doesn't abandon us, Mm -hmm. we abandon him. Mm -hmm. If you hear his voice today, answer him. Don't be afraid. Don't give him a fig leaf. Just come as you are. Come as you are. Adam did answer. But he confessed straight away. He said, I heard you, but I was afraid and ashamed. I was naked, so I hid. If you're afraid today. I was talking to someone a while back, and they said, I came in here for the first time. They'd never been to anything like this before. And they said, I was frightened. And I can remember feeling that the first time I went to a Christian meeting because I thought Christianity was boring. It was
1: like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I opened my eyes, when I went to my first Christian meeting, I remember saying, why are you excited about God? I remember the guy said to me. Because he's alive. Hallelujah! Amen. It's so hard not to get excited about the God who's not only alive, but who changes lives. Yes. Yes. Can I put it out there today? If you've never experienced that, Before we're done with the word today, maybe in about a quarter of an hour, we're going to pray that you will experience the God who calls your name, who reaches out, and you can come as you are. And you know what the best news of all is? We come as we are, but then God does a wonderful work of transformation. Hallelujah. So we're going to give it the opportunity to do that in a moment Adam was afraid Adam was ashamed we've all been there he knew he was naked and he hid and if you read into the full narrative of Genesis chapter 3 you can see God challenging Adam saying how do you know you're naked and you can read the whole nuance of it but let me for the sake of time move on. We're told in verse 21, the Lord made skin coverings as clothing for Adam and his wife. And then Adam and his wife had to leave Eden. And perfection ended. That was the end of perfection. Can I suggest to you that in your DNA, in my DNA, deep somewhere down far in our DNA, there is still an echo that longs for Eden. Every time someone says, I want to find and marry the perfect woman or the perfect man. I want to have kids that I can love perfectly. I want to find the perfect home. I want to drive the best car. I want to have the perfect holiday. It goes on and on. I want the perfect body, the perfect face. There is something in all of us that's a faint echo from Eden. But we can find perfection in this world because we're living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But hallelujah, Jesus has set us free. Yes, and amen. we are going amen. towards something that is far better than anything this world can offer. Amen. And you know what's wonderful? We get little invasions of the future into the present. Amen. Amen. And God does miracles in our lives.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: But God had to make animal skins for Adam and Eve as they left, because the feet leaves wouldn't work. What's wonderful, and what's strange about this is, the skin coverings had to have come from animals, so for the first time in man's existence, death came into their experience, because animals had to be killed to provide the skin coverings. And Romans tells us, the wages or the result of sin is death. death so this is the first appearance of death but hallelujah indebted and inherent in this message of death if you will is the message of redemption because this is what started animal sacrifice in the old testament and it culminated in the lamb of god being sacrificed on calvary's cross and when jesus died on calvary you and me were set free Hallelujah.
1: hallelujah
0: So if you want to read the book of Genesis, the typology is the word we use. The symbols there all point towards the gospel. So even though man had sinned, even though there was rebellion, even though death entered in, inherent within that was the rescue message of the redemption of God. One day, one day, man would be set free. You and I are blessed to live this side of the cross of Calvary. So many thousands of years people lived before Calvary, but we are living after the cross of Calvary. And so he's only a prayer away. Hallelujah. So animal skins are symbolism, really, because that ushered in Judaism eventually. And bulls and goats were sacrificed on the altar of the temple so that sin could temporarily be covered so when you had prayers you would go to the temple and you would have to bring an offering so your sin would be covered temporarily by the blood of the animal if you had visited the Old Testament temple Uh, Zerubbabel's temple, Herod's temple, same thing. It must have smelt of blood, because the blood sacrifice was everywhere. The stench and the, the look of the blood as all those animals were sacrificed. But there can never be forgiveness for sin unless there is a sacrifice containing blood. Even the cavemen understood that to some degree. That's why we need the Lamb of God in our lives. That's why we need to accept the blood of Calvary. who we'll say amen? Amen. That's what our message is about. That's what being born again is about. It's accepting the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. But the thing is, if we're still going around in animal skins, that symbolism is like religion. It's like good works. It's like a temporary thing. And your good works and my good works should be evidence of Something going on in our lives, it should not be the path in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It is by grace we are saved, Amen. not by good works, by lest anyone should Boast. there's no boasting in the Amen. kingdom of god it 's by grace alone. When Martin Luther nailed on the door of uh, the cathedral in Wittenberg, his thesis, his whatever it was forty nine statements or whatever, he came up and he said. We are saved by faith alone. The just shall live by faith, not by works. When we're lighting candles here next week, we're not lighting candles for the forgiveness of our sin. Our sin is forgiven. Hallelujah. We go to Jesus and he forgives our sins. With the deepest of respect, we don't have to go to the confession box. Will anyone say, Hallelujah? And I'm not condemning anyone. But we don't have to go there. We can go directly to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So the animal skins are when you and me, figlice are excuses, animal skins is we become a bit self-righteous. Oh, I'm doing all of this. You see, faith, um, prayer and fasting, it's a good thing to do, but don't get into the, I'm really helping God out here. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, I'm not. It's not our good works. It's not a religious, a religiosity thing it's a faith thing so we don't need animal coverings or skins to be right with God when God looks at you he doesn't need to see fig leaves he doesn't need to see an animal skin he doesn't need to see excuses he doesn't need to see religiosity what does he need to see we need to walk the glory of God and it comes from the blood of Jesus you see most Christian Bible scholars theologians a lot of pastors Christians and I'm one of them believe that Adam and Eve weren't just walking around the place with no clothes on in the garden but they were actually like balls of light they were reflecting the glory of God they had communion with the Living God and so the glory of, the, of God was shining on them and they were shining from that. So there was something more going on. And while the book of Genesis doesn't say that directly, the rest of the Bible clearly points that when human beings are close to God, something of the glory of God rubs off on them. Yeah. Let me give you a couple of what are many hundreds of examples. Let's look at Moses in the Old Testament. We're told Moses spoke with God face to face. So Moses' face shone. After he spoke with God, Exodus 33, 11, Exodus 34, 30. If you know the account there, Moses was going up to Sinai. It was the time of the Ten Commandments and that. But it says when Moses spoke with God face to face, his face began to shine. And when he would come down from the mountain, the Israelites got afraid. They got uncomfortable. You see, the people of the world who don't really know anything spiritual get uncomfortable about anything supernatural. And so Moses had to wear a mask, a veil over his face. Now, we had two years where we had to wear face masks, but Moses was on a different level. He had to put on a veil to cover the glory because such was, his face was shining from the presence of God. That was Moses in the Old Testament. Look at it happening in the New Testament. Matthew 17, 2, we told Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus spoke with them, and the scripture records that Jesus was transfigured. Before Peter, James, and John, who were there with him, his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light it's impossible to be in communion with God, and it doesn't change you. In fact, in the Bible, we see it even has a physical outworking in us. And I honestly believe sometimes you can see a glow in people's faces because they love God and they know God loves them, and they're on a deep level with God. Equally, you can see in some people's faces a darkness, and there's no joy, zero peace. They can't even look you in the eye. It's like there's a darkness over them. And you know what? The God of the Bible wants to deliver everyone from darkness into light. Amen? And I will go further, even into glory. Look at what 2 Corinthians 418 says talking to Christians while we with unveiled faces referring back to Moses reflect the glory of the Lord being transformed from glory unto glory which comes from God who is spirit hallelujah that's your future and you know what it can even become more and more your presence and my presence The closer we get to Him, the more the glory of God breaks out in our lives. You see, if we're right with God, let's just take peace. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Just take the first three. If we're really right with God and we're close to Him, every room we go into, we're going to bring, what are we going to bring with us? Love, joy, peace. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you want to hang out with a cranky person who's always causing trouble. But I want to hang out with the people who've got love, joy, peace. Imagine you go into work and everyone hates the boss. But you bring love, joy and peace with you. Hallelujah. You go into school, in your family, in your house share, whatever it is. We bring atmosphere with us. That's why the Bible calls us ambassadors. I met an ambassador once, an Irish ambassador in the Czech Republic. It was uh, purely by chance, but I was at a Christian thing in Prague, in the Czech Republic. We went to a restaurant, and it happened that the Irish ambassador was there. Now, when I say I met him, he didn't go, hiya, Tom, how are you? I mean, it wasn't like that. It was just... I heard him over there, I said, you're the Irish ambassador, and he said, yeah, and I said, I'm from Ireland, he went, great, really, you know. (laughs) But you and I are ambassadors for who?
1: Christ.
0: We're ambassadors for Christ. So we bring love, joy, peace with us. So every time you act like the Irish ambassador to the Czech Republic in the year 2002, if you're watching on Facebook, I hope you're ashamed of yourself. Don't snap at a person, you know. I did it a couple of years ago. We were parking our cars in our car park here. And uh, this guy just parked his car and blocked the gate. And there's a big sign up there. No parking. Uh, Whatever it is. Emergency exit 24 hours. He parks his car. And he was going out. And we were all stuck inside, and we were waiting, I don't know, about 40 minutes. And he came, and I said, can you not read the sign? Ah, he says, I wasn't gone that long. And I said, I'm here 40 minutes. He said, here, I'd say you're grand. (laughs) I told him what I wanted to do with him. I'm a pastor of a Christian church, and I was right outside the church, and I wasn't a good ambassador. And Denise didn't talk to me for about a year after that. (laughs) Be a good ambassador, even when wrong is done to you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Have the right attitude. Love, joy, peace doesn't mean you're a fool. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. But you know what? We see the bigger picture. Why didn't I see that guy's salvation? Instead of seeing him as a problem, I should have seen him in a different light. I'm preaching to myself. But we are being transformed from glory unto glory. Yeah. So, how God sees us is how God will hear us. Yeah. It tells us in Revelation 9 7 about the future. A great multitude, this is the marriage feast of the Lamb. Every tribe, every tongue stood before the Lamb clothed in white robes. I love this verse. Every tribe, what tribe are you from? Every tongue, that means not just English speakers, it means the French speakers, the German speakers, the Irish speakers, the Welsh speakers, the Filipino speakers, the African speakers, the Yoruba speakers, the German speakers, maybe not the German. No. The, uh, <laughs> it means every tribe, every language group. But you know what? We're all gonna be one, Thank even you. as we already are one because we'll be clothed in white. What does that mean? The glory of God is evident in our lives.
1: Yes.
0: This is God's will for us. This is the future. Is it really important, you might ask, well, why did Jesus give us that? very interesting parable about the great wedding feast you can read about it in Matthew 22 but this verse is so interesting when the king noticed a wedding guest not wearing the proper clothes he hadn't thrown out into the outer darkness you keep reading it it's all really eternal stuff where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth God isn't that concerned with the clothes we wear is he mm-hmm. The Bible says man looks at the outside. Where does God look? He looks at your heart, that's right, inside. That's where God looks. Now it doesn't mean that we can dress in provocative ways or whatever, nor does it mean we don't have to wash, we'll say amen. amen. And brothers, it's good to do a bit of that. Shh. Will the sisters say amen? amen. Oh, that's very enthusiastic. That's the most enthusiastic, amen? I heard all day. You see, when you're in a church where we're lifting our hands, this was a wedding feast. The king is representative of God. And God is concerned with how he sees you. And so if God sees you with a fig leaf, or if God sees you with an animal skin, it's not good enough. He wants to see you with the glory of God. How do we get the glory of God? It begins by being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. By inviting him into your life. And then as we work out our salvation, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling. Oh, I don't like that verse. Well, you know what? You can't cherry pick the Bible, can you? we will say Amen. But that's good. It's a good fear. It's awe. That's what it means. It's having an awesome respect for God. We work out our salvation. We get close to God. And you know what? The glory of God shines upon us. Hallelujah. Time is against me. Let me give you an example fig leaves. What can that be? Let's take an example of the fig leaf of fear low confidence, low self esteem. Honestly, I am shocked. And amazed at the number of people, not just that I meet here, but I meet everywhere, who really have a low self-esteem. It's like we live in a culture where everyone is um, nice, but people's confidence is really low. There's so much fear. And you know what? When you come into the house of God, you need to be built up. We're not here to tear down anyone, yeah? We want to build one another up. If you look at Numbers 13, and I fly through it, but the children of Israel had a great future in front of them. God said, you see that beautiful land? It's flowing with milk and honey. That's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. It's like God is saying to so many of us here, you have got a future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And Jeremiah plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future Amen. that's the kind of promise god was giving to the children of israel Amen. but he sent there they sent in 12 guys to just check out the land to spy it out and 10 of them said this 10 of the spies in numbers 13:33 said we can't fight those people the people in the land they're like giants and we're like little grasshoppers You see how they thought of themselves? You see how their low self-esteem and their fear kicked in? They still had the slave mentality of Egypt. And sometimes we come out of a slave-like background in our backgrounds. A background of abuse, a background of addiction, a background of a cruel parent, or a terrible education, or a background of self-harming, or a background of whatever. But we bring it with us, and you know what? We need to leave it go. Because they kept saying, we're like little grasshoppers. And you know what I'm here today to say to you? No, you are not. You are a daughter or a son of the king. We'll say hallelujah. That's your inheritance if you love God. And if you don't know the Lord, you can know him before the day is out. But there were two spies. And the Bible said they had a different spirit. Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb were told, silence the people. They were all crying. They had no confidence. He silenced them and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. When is the last time you said to someone, you can do it, you can do it. I haven't the hope of passing that exam. Yes, you can. How am I supposed to get a job? Do you know how many people told us we'd never get a building as a church? Do you know how many people told us you never start a Christian church here? Cork is the graveyard for starting churches. They always fail. You know, you can listen to the naysayers or you can listen to God. Do you know, I think I want to listen to what God's word says. Caleb challenged the mindset of the slave And he said, yes, we can. Of course we can. I love what Billy Graham, the evangelist, says. Courage is contagious when a brave man takes a stand. Then others become brave too. Listen, parents, your children are only going to do what they see you doing. Mm -hmm. That's all they're going to do. If you're just watching telly all the time, if you don't do anything in your life, guess what way your kids are going to go. If you're down the pub all the time, your kids are going to end up down the pub. If you're just obsessed with soccer and there's nothing wrong with soccer, but if that's your obsession, your kids will be obsessed by it. But if you put God first, your kids have a better chance of putting God first. And if you're courageous, if you say to your kids, you can do it, They'll do it. There's a saying in the Irish language, my mother used to always say it to us, Mola noiga agus si. Encourage the little one and she will come. Every culture has it, but it gets lost with the noise that's drowning us out. I mean, if you're looking at social media, it's perfect bodies, perfect faces, airbrushed, photoshopped. And you know what? So many young people give up. The guys don't have the big enough muscle. The girls don't have the right figure. You know what? You don't need it. You need God. Don't be so shallow. Who'll say hallelujah? Hallelujah. God has called you something far deeper than just what you look like on the outside. Have a bit of courage and let's give courage to one another. Proverbs 23.7 says, as you think in your heart, that is who you are that is who you are do you think you're a grasshopper can I say this to you it's a fig leaf do you think you're not able it's a fig leaf do you think you just aren't worthy of that relationship it's a fig leaf I'm not saying absolutely everyone is called into a relationship into marriage but most people are and God said it is good it is good But so many of us have a terrible fear of commitment. So many others have a fear of rejection. I understand it. But God has called you to something greater than rejection. God has called us to rise above rejection. Amen? Amen. Let's lose the fig leaf. Let God see you and hear you this week above all. If you're lonely and you're hoping for a commitment from someone you love or you're hoping to find someone you love, what a brilliant week is about to happen for your life. You can pray and start praying now, you can fast, you can get individual prayer at the anointing of oil on Friday night, and then you can tactilely work out that prayer next Sunday here in the service. There is a whole week of possibility for you. It's right that the Christian church in any area provides this, but you gotta lose the fig leaf, you gotta lose the animal skin, it's not your goods works, it's the power of God and the grace of God in your life.